If you like scary stories and you want to support the show, buy some of my books. I have a whole slew of them, and most of them are just 99 cents. Go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. Again, this is a great way to support the show. That's maniacontheloose.com slash books. If you like the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Feel free to leave a nice review, too, if you like. And don't be shy about letting other people know about the show. All of these things help us out a ton, and we appreciate it very much. Now let's get to some scary stories. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. (laughs) Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. Region 6 I'm an observation manager in a remote region of a massive forest preserve located in the Pacific Northwest. I'm one of six managers in my region. Region 6 Each manager has their own cabin. The cabins are scattered throughout Region 6. I'm in cabin number 1. The next closest cabin to me is cabin number 2. Cabin number 2 is my sister cabin. All sister cabin means is that it's the only cabin within walking distance. If you consider a 6 hour hike walking distance. Cabins 3 and 4 are sister cabins, as are cabins 5 and 6. For perspective, it would take me two days to walk to cabin number 3, and that's the next closest cabin to me after cabin number 2. Each of us observation managers is all alone in our cabin and we hardly ever get visitors. The isolation is enough to drive some people crazy. You really have to love wildlife and be a serious loner to last at this job. I've been doing this for five years. That should tell you everything you need to know about me. For most people, the job would be boring. For the most part, all we do is observe the vast area allocated to us around our cabin. If we come across any fishermen, we're supposed to confirm that they have a valid fishing license. We also pick up any trash that hikers leave behind. We keep an eye out for poachers, and one of the most important jobs we have is to make sure any campfires we come across are fully extinguished. Normal observation managers would deal with those tasks consistently. But region number six is different. Region number six is a newly formed region that previously did not require observation managers due to the fact that it's one of the most dense and secluded areas of the forest. Nobody ever camps in region number six, and the hikers who pass through this region are few and far between. However, 
In the past few years, the number of people who have gone missing from Region 6 has tripled. We have no idea why. Because of this, they opted to install the six observation manager cabins throughout the regions. We'd be the first ones contacted if anyone who has been known to be in Region 6 goes missing. The hope is that having observation managers stationed throughout the region will bring the missing person numbers down. So region number 6, being what it is, leaves us observation managers out here with very little to do. A normal day for me consists of hiking around the immediate area of my cabin for any signs of human life. If I hear voices, I'll investigate further. But I never do. If I smell smoke, I'll investigate further. But that hasn't happened yet either. There's a small lake that is a two-hour hike from my cabin. Once a week, I make a point to go out there to check for fishermen. That's my excuse, anyhow. I really just go out there to take a nice swim. All of the Region 6 observation managers signed a contract for two months. At the end of two months, we all rotate to another cabin in the region. This should help us all to keep from going stir-crazy. It also gives every observation manager an opportunity to resign their post if they can't handle the lack of activity in Region Number 6. The only thing that we must do on a daily basis is check in with each other once a day at 11 o'clock a.m. It's a safety measure to let everyone know that we survived the night. It's kind of like a group chat over walkie-talkies as all six of us check in with each other at once. Since we're all introverts, those group chats usually last no more than five minutes. We also must check in with our sister cabin every night at 8 p.m., again just as a precaution to make sure all is well. The gal in my sister cabin, cabin number two, has a very sweet high-pitched voice. Her name is Candy. She's cute as a button, but in her mid-twenties. That's way too young for a 43-year-old guy like myself. But she's very nice, and I look forward to hearing her squeaky voice on our nightly check-ins. I was surprised when I heard her voice coming through my walkie-talkie at 6.30 p.m. We always checked in precisely at 8 p.m. and would chit-chat lightly for 10 minutes or so before signing off. Calling in this early was unusual for her. Carl? Carl, are you there? I was sitting on the front porch of the cabin finishing up an evening cup of coffee, but hurried to the walkie when I recognized a hint of concern in her voice. Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Have you heard anything unusual outside your cabin recently? No, everything is normal out here. Why? Well, it's probably nothing, but I was talking to Fred at cabin number six earlier. He said that last night he heard something zipping through the forest. My initial thought was deer, elk, moose, but at 50 years old, Fred was the oldest and most seasoned of the observation managers. He wouldn't have bothered mentioning that experience unless something strange was involved. He said whatever it was let out a growl. Well, there were bear in the area, black bear and grizzly, but we rarely encountered them. Bear, maybe? I don't think so. He said there was a shriek to the growl that he was unfamiliar with. 
So I was just calling around to all of the cabins to see if anyone else heard anything out of the ordinary. Nothing other than a few coyotes yipping. Maybe that's what Fred heard. Coyotes make some weird-ass sound sometimes. I was positive it wasn't coyotes that Fred had heard. I said that more to try to set Candy's mind at ease. Yeah, maybe it was just coyotes. At least, I hope so. Well, if you hear anything strange, don't hesitate to give me a holler. Thanks, Carl. Fred had been doing this longer than I had been. If he thought there was a chance that it was a coyote, wolf, or bear, he wouldn't have mentioned it to anyone. I would have radioed him just to get more information, but I was about to start dinner, so I'd just wait and chat with him about it tomorrow. That night I sat on my porch and made a point to listen for anything out of the ordinary. I stayed up as late as my eyelids would allow. The next morning, after doing some of my early morning rounds, I checked my watch and I saw it was getting close to 11 a.m. I got back to my cabin, pressed down the button on my walkie-talkie, and initiated the check-in. This is Carl, cabin number one, checking in. Candy, cabin number two, checking in. Teresa, cabin number three, I'm here. Bob, cabin number four, alive and well. Hello everyone, cabin number five, Marsha. We all waited for Fred and cabin number six to respond. He was never late with check-ins. Marsha started calling out to him. Fred, you there? Can you hear us? We can't hear you. Click your receiving handle twice if you hear us. There was no click, no response at all, so I began to question Marsha. She was cabin number five, the sister cabin to Fred's cabin. They were required to check in with each other nightly. Marsha, did Fred check in with you last night? Yes, we checked in at 8 p.m. He sounded fine, but... Her voice trailed off. What? Well, he did mention that he'd been hearing something large moving around outside his cabin. We both figured it was a moose or a bear. I told him to take extra precautions and to make sure that he took his bear spray with him if he went outside. He said he would. That was the last I heard from him. The protocol for a missed check-in was for the observation manager from the sister cabin to hike out and check on the person who failed to check in to make sure they were not injured. Marcia spoke up. I'm going to leave now. I should reach cabin number six no later than 8 p.m. Let's all plan on doing another check-in at that time and I'll give you an update. We all agreed and Marcia went on her way. It was rare for anyone to miss a check-in, and the primary reason most people did was due to radio malfunction. That's probably all it was. At least we hope so. On the rare occasion someone was injured, headquarters would send out a medical group on all-terrain vehicles. If it were serious, they could call in for a helicopter evacuation. I did some extra rounds around the forest of my cabin that day. I found nothing unusual at all. I checked in with Candy a couple of times just to make sure she wasn't having any issues. She said she was fine and that everything was peaceful. When 8pm rolled around, I began the check-in roll call. Howdy folks, this is Carl, cabin number one. Candy, cabin number two. 
This is Teresa, cabin number three. Cabin number four, check-in. Bob here. We all paused a long moment while we waited for Marsha to check in. Silence. Marsha, Fred, either of you there? Can you hear us? Nothing. This was concerning. None of our cabins were close enough to cabin number five or number six for any of us to hike out there and take a look. I alerted headquarters. They informed us that they would be sending out a four-person search team on ATVs to cabin number six. They told us to keep our walkie-talkies nearby and that they would alert us when they arrived, which would likely be just a couple hours. I asked Teresa and Candy if they had heard anything else strange since the last time we talked. Both of them said no and that everything in their area had been normal. Bob chimed in and said he hadn't experienced anything odd either. We all stayed inside our cabins and kept our walkies close. We'd occasionally chit-chat, but mostly sat alone in silence. Finally, the quiet was interrupted by the static of a walkie-talkie activating. Uh, This is Search Team 50. We arrived at cabin number 6. I was sure the others were just as anxious as I was, but I chimed in first. Did you find Fred and Marsha? Negative. No sign of either of them. The front door to cabin number 6 was wide open, but no Fred. No Marsha. We're about to head over to cabin number 5. It's possible they headed that way. Uh... His voice was interrupted by one of the other searchers in the distance. Hey! Hey! What the hell is that? Uh, hang on folks, we got something here. We waited and waited, but we heard no further response from the search team. We spent the next hour calling out to the search team, but they never responded. I alerted headquarters, and they said they were on it, and they'd keep us informed. It was midnight when the four of us decided to sign off and hit the hay. We agreed we would do another check-in at 8 a.m. I slept on and off that night. I held out hope for a logical reason for the strange happenings, but I had a bad feeling about all of this. The next morning I was too anxious to wait until 8 a.m. to start roll call and started it at 7.50 a.m. Carl here, cabin number one. Is everybody okay? Candy, cabin number two. This is Teresa, cabin number three. Silence. I could hear the frustration and panic in Teresa's voice as she started calling out to Bob. Bob, Bob, check in with us please, give us an update. What did you find out? Nothing. Teresa, when was the last time you talked to Bob? Just over an hour ago, he was fine. While we were talking, I heard a knock on his cabin door. He assumed it was the search team coming to check on him. He said he was going to answer the door and that he'd be right back. But that was the last I heard from him. Wait a minute. Someone knocked on his door? Yes, it had to be the search team. I mean, who else would it be? She paused for a moment before continuing. I'm going out there to check on Bob. Uh, Teresa, I don't think that's a good idea. Candy backed me up. Teresa, stay in your cabin until the search team gets there. Just wait. Where is the search team? Where is anyone? Look, I'm just going to jog there. I'm in good shape. I'm fast. I can make it there in three hours. 
I'll check in with both of you every hour along the way. I'm leaving now. Candy and I both tried to persuade her not to go, but she was having none of it. Since there was no stopping Teresa and things felt like they were getting out of control, I called headquarters. Hey, have you guys heard from the search team? No, uh, communication has been cut off. We're prepping another search team to head out that way. Well, you can tell them to head to cabin number four. Bob is missing now, too. And Teresa from cabin number three is on her way to check on him. Well, tell her to stay put. The search team can reach him before she can. She won't listen. Well, okay, if she's not at cabin number four when the search team arrives, they'll continue on to cabin number three and meet up with her in between. Headquarters tried their best to reassure Candy and I, but it was useless. We knew something wasn't right. I waited anxiously by the walkie-talkie, counting the seconds until Teresa's first check-in. Candy wasn't hiding her emotions. I'm scared, Carl. Something is wrong. I agree. Just keep your cabin door bolted shut, and don't open it unless someone you know shows up. I don't want to be alone right now. I knew just how she felt. The forest that had always brought me peace, serenity, and happiness was starting to give me the creeps. Candy, I'm packing a few things and I'm heading out your way. I should be there by nightfall. At this point, there was no reason for us to be sitting alone in our cabins waiting for the search team, or waiting for whatever happened to everyone else to happen to us. I needed to be more proactive than that. Candy was on board with the idea. Her level of fright was increasing by the minute. Having another human being out there with her would set her at ease. I filled my backpack up with water and beef jerky and hit the trail. A sense of relief washed over me as Teresa's voice echoed over the radio. She was panting and out of breath. I could hear the thuds of her jogging feet hitting the dirt trail beneath her. Teresa here. I'm making good time. Nothing to report yet. Everything is normal on the trail. I'll check in again in another hour. I wasn't the athlete that Teresa was. It was going to take me every minute of the six hours to get to cabin number two, but I was trying my best to keep the pace steady. I called into Candy every now and then just to let her know I was still en route. I could tell that she was comforted whenever she heard my voice. I was pleased when I heard Teresa's voice after another hour. This time it was obvious she had temporarily stopped to catch her breath. She was taking deep breaths as she talked. I should reach cabin number four in less than an hour, but there's something in the woods. What? What, what is it? I don't know, but it keeps moving alongside me under the cover of the forest. It's following me. It, it, it's stalking me. Do you have your bear spray? It's in my hand. I'm going to run the rest of the way. I'll let you know when I reach the cabin. As I trekked along, I listened to the surrounding wildlife for anything weird, but where I was, things were fine. At the moment, it wasn't lost on me that whatever was happening was getting closer to our location. Cabin number six, cabin number four, the next occupied cabin was cabin number two, which was exactly where I was headed. An hour later, I was hoping to hear something from Teresa. Instead, there was radio silence. 
I stopped and propped myself against a tree to catch my breath and called for Teresa over and over, but she didn't respond. Candy was starting to lose it. Carl, hurry, Carl, hurry. I can't be out here alone anymore. I'm coming, Candy. Just hang in there. Two hours later, the sun began to drift under the tree line, casting a gloomy shadow over everything. I wasn't talking to Candy anymore, but she was talking to me. My walkie-talkie was clipped on my belt, and she was just babbling on and on. I guess it gave her some sense of comfort knowing I was listening to her. Finally, her voice started to slow, and she'd take occasional long pauses between her words. She was growing tired and starting to nod off. The next hour of my hike was just myself and Mother Nature. I was getting close to Candy's cabin, probably no more than an hour away at this point. I was tempted to radio her and let her know it wouldn't be that much longer, but I didn't want to risk waking her up in the event that she did doze off. It was then that Candy broke radio silence. Her voice was tense and serious. Carl, there's someone on my front porch. Who is it? I don't know, but I can hear them walking back and forth. They're pacing. I could hear a metallic rattle in the background and Candy's voice became panicked. Oh, oh my god, Carl, Carl, they're trying to get in the front door. I then heard a loud eruption of glass shattering followed by Candy's fear-filled scream. And then nothing. I ran the rest of the way. By the time I reached Candy's cabin, I was completely out of breath. I collapsed to the ground and had to take several solid seconds to catch my breath before rushing to the front of the cabin. The door was bolted shut from the inside. I knocked relentlessly. Candy! Candy! Candy, are you in there? It's Carl! I'm here! There was no response. I walked along the porch of the cabin to the first window. It was smashed in. I peered inside the cabin. I saw evidence of a struggle but no sign of Candy. I carefully climbed into her cabin and began searching around. The cabins are small, just a large open living area and kitchen, and an attached small bedroom and closet. I checked everywhere. Candy was not there. I unfastened the lock on the front door of the cabin and stepped outside onto the porch. I called out into the woods. Candy! Candy! Candy, are you out there? I heard no audible response, but I could hear the woods around the cabin beginning to stir. Something was out there, walking around. I could hear definitive footsteps. It was something on two legs. Candy, is that you? I knew it wasn't her. I was grasping at straws of hope. It was getting closer. I could see the brush at the edge of the woods beginning to shake. Whatever it was, was moving forward toward me. I could have turned and ran, but instead I stood frozen, fixed on the brush, and I watched as a figure emerged. It was a woman. I had no idea who she was. She was approximately 5'8", with short black hair. Her bangs ended just before her dark brown eyes. Her lips were full, her body was firm and muscular. 
and she was completely naked. She began walking toward me in a slow, methodical manner. She was staring at me void of emotion. Uh, uh lady, are, are you okay? She didn't answer, she just continued moving forward. As she reached the porch, I found myself taking steps backward to keep a distance between us, but eventually my back pressed against the outside of the cabin, stopping my progress. The woman kept moving toward me. Her hips swayed seductively and she did not slow her pace until her naked breasts were pressed against the front of my body. Her dark brooding eyes were staring into me and I could hear her sniffing. Her voice came out as a hushed whisper. I'm hungry. Uh, oh, oh, you're 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 hungry? Well, oh, oh, well, let, let's go into the cabin. I'll 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 um I'll find you some food and 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 you can eat. She grinned at me as if she found my statement amusing. She kept her cold eyes fixed on me until she was distracted by the loud roar of the search team's ATVs. Three ATVs rolled up to the cabin. The searchers jumped off of their vehicles and took in the odd sight of the confident naked woman pressed up against me. The first searcher began walking toward us as the other two began removing medical kits from their bags. Uh, what's going on here? Are you two okay? The mysterious woman stepped away from me and turned to face the searchers full on. The lead searcher was trying to be professional, but he couldn't help but to discreetly look the attractive woman up and down. She moved toward the searcher and whispered loudly, I'm hungry. Before any of the searchers could react, the woman turned into a streaking blur. In the snap of a finger, she was now standing behind them. I watched as her torso ripped open and formed an enormous mouth with rows of shark-like teeth. Before the searchers could even turn to see her, she had already enveloped one of them and he disappeared down her gullet. The second searcher turned in time to witness the monster that would be the death of him, but it gave him no time to scream as he also disappeared down the belly of the beast. The lead searcher tried to run, but the creature flew over him at the speed of light, opening its torso mouth wide and swallowing him whole. Immediately the mouth closed, and the naked woman was standing before me again, showing no signs of having just devoured three men. There was no blood on her. There was no blood on the ground. There was no evidence of foul play. Nobody would have any clue as to what happened. Everyone would just be considered missing like every other person who made the mistake of wandering into Region 6. Again. The mystery woman moved in close to me, sniffing profusely. Her sinister whisper confirmed what I expected and feared. I'm still hungry. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com Sign up for our newsletter 
and I'll give you some free stuff. We'll see you soon. Very soon. If you like what you're hearing, please consider contributing. Any amount helps. Recurring monthly contributions are best of all. Just go to maniacontheloose.com slash support. That's maniacontheloose.com slash support. (laughs) 